0: to a new way of being being well welcome to body mind and soul healing conversations
1: on our search for love, companionship and the one, we oftentimes lose sight and alignment with our true selves and what we deeply desire in a life partner. Maureen Scanlon's work helps us to see clearly what it takes to heal ourselves, enhance our marriage and romantic relationships, and realize the whole person we were meant to be while in a relationship, in marriage, or searching for that perfect mate. Valerie Atteles interviews Maureen Scanlon, the author of My Dog is My Relationship Coach. Maureen Scanlon is the founder and CEO of Maureen Scanlon Life Coaching. She is an award-winning author, Relationship expert, motivational speaker, positive change integrator, and spiritual coach who has successfully helped many people, from experienced professionals to young adults and couples. She focuses her tools and techniques on overcoming past negative experiences and making positive changes in our thoughts and lives. Maureen has been featured on 3TV Good Morning Arizona, 3TV Your Life AZ, ABC 15 Sonoran Living. Voyage Phoenix Magazine appeared on the cover and featured in Ultimate Women International Magazine, USA Daily Times, as well as interviews on radio shows like Laugh for a Purpose, Business Talk Radio, and Networking Arizona. Her first book, My Dog is More Enlightened Than I Am, has won a silver award from author Shout and top 12 book pick list from Spirited Woman and a National Indie Excellence Award finalist for 2020 with a five-star rating on Amazon. Meet Maureen at lifecoachmaureen.com. Here's the interview with Maureen Scanlon.
0: In your own words, who is Maureen Scanlon?
2: I am a life coach. I am an author and I am a speaker And I would say in my own words, I am most passionate about helping others find their worth and to live their best lives. And I know that's sort of a cliche now and every motivational speaker says it, but it truly is just opening people's eyes to the wonder that they are and releasing everything that they believe they're not.
0: For most of us, this is something that we talk a lot about finding purpose. And it's when I hear you, it sounds like you have found yours. How did you find your purpose? And how do we know when we found ours?
2: That can be simplified to If it's something that brings you so much excitement and joy and you look forward to doing for years. um, In fact, this year I'm... I'm officially retiring from a corporate job of 25 years, and I've started this life coaching business and written two books in the last four years. And what I realized was when people had said, I get paid to do what I love, I never knew what that was until now. And getting pure joy out of doing the work, and it's something you can literally say, I would do it if I didn't get paid for it. Although I want to get paid for it, I would do it if I didn't get paid for it because I love it that much. And I think that's really how you know you're in your purpose and you're in your passion. Would you
0: say that takes courage or trust? What does it take to get to that point of living our purpose, of taking the first step?
2: I... I I love that you said, does it take courage or trust? It takes both. And it also takes releasing what you've always done and releasing those mindsets that you've had your entire life where I held on to this corporate job all of these years um, thinking that was my security, that that was this, this job, this, this life coaching business is just a side gig, but this other job is my security. And I couldn't give a hundred percent to the business until I let go of what my belief was, was my security. Security, and I didn't have enough faith and trust that if it's my purpose, everything will be brought to me. It's that law of attraction that if I believe, I'm easy about it. I really I release resistance, and it's been an exactly that experience for me. The more I let go of the old, the more new stuff comes connections, opportunities, all that fun stuff. So, when it comes to trust, is that trusting
0: ourselves, so trusting? the invisible world, the trusting people around us, or it's a combination of all three.
2: I think it's more trusting in yourself as well as the universe and whatever your higher power is, just believing that if you're doing things the way you're driven to do them, and it's all for good, if you're involving kindness and compassion, and love, all of those things, then you're on your path. And then the right things will be brought to you. And the problem as humans is we we get in our own way. We think, I have to hustle. I have to struggle. I have to make this happen. And when this person disappoints me, or could this be a scam? For me, I've, I'm so at ease now with knowing the right clients come to me at the right time. I don't worry about if they're ready, if they're not ready. I don't worry about scams that come because I know I'll see it. I'll, I'll feel it. I'll know it. And so I really think it's a combination of just going with your intuition. You're going to know and go with that gut. Go with that gut instinct and don't doubt it.
0: Don't doubt it. That's one of the things we often do. We don't trust that voice there within that says that it just feels right. But for some reason, we tend to second guess that voice. So, yeah, if you want to tap into that for a moment about how do we learn to trust that inner voice that knows what it
2: knows. The best way to tap into that is if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't, if there is a twinge of... Oh, I have a gut feeling about this person or I have a gut feeling or something feels off about this, you have to really go with it. Um, I know there's a speaker that talks about the five-second rule, and that's really a good indicator. You'll know right away, and I think we we do a lot of giving the benefit of the doubt to people and situations and things, and, well, they hurt me, but I'll give them another shot. And, you know, as you get older time gets more precious and I don't have to give someone or something five shots. You know, if I, if it doesn't feel good, whether it's the person or the situation, you just walk away and you just say, that's not for me. And what one of my mantras now is, um, you know, just saying that that's not a good fit for me or I go where I'm celebrated. Those are my new, you know, mantras that I say, I'll know when I'm celebrated.
0: That's a challenge when it comes to family members, let's say brothers, sisters, and yeah, those close relatives. Would you say it's a challenge, or we can, wow, learn to let go of that too?
2: I love that you just said that. I have my own personal struggles with that. (laughs) And, and you know, you know, you feel like and everyone says, well, because they're family or because they're blood, um, you know, they they did bring us into this physical world. But just like anything else in life, if we put it on the same level, if we put family on the same level as a job or friendship or anything else, we don't owe anybody anything if they're not serving us, if they're not contributing and I was just talking about a new quote that I heard the other day that I repeat to myself constantly and I think this would be good for you and anyone who struggles with family, um, you know, if you have critical family or you have family that's very negative when you're around them and the saying is, um, I do not mend bonds that I didn't break. So... If you give love, but it is not received, that is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to give love. If it is not received, that's that has nothing to do with you. And you, it doesn't have to be a one-way street where you continue to really give that time and that energy to someone who's not ready to receive it or doesn't want it. You can love them from a distance. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but you don't have to put yourself in the physical space or in the emotional space of being hurt or disappointed every time you're with them?
0: I do believe in the foundation for any relationship that's coming from my experience. It has been self-love that really changed everything, honoring, accepting myself and and going deeper into my own self-love. So talk to me for a moment about not unconditional love for now, because I do believe in unconditional self-love, too. But self-love. Talk to me about that, Marie.
2: I completely agree with you. And that was something that I had struggled for for pretty much my entire adult life was not loving myself enough or not understanding my worth. It made my behavior and my actions um it made me behave in a way that I felt I had to always earn it. So I was constantly doing things for others and I was constantly feeling not good enough if I didn't do enough for someone or I didn't save them or I, I didn't give enough or spend enough time with them. And most of those relationships, when you don't love yourself, you'll find out it's a one way street anyway. And that you're going to be around takers because you're such a giver. And when you do the self love, you find yourself now surrounded with givers because you value the give and take because you know you're worth that love and that self-love is is really everything and it's knowing and believing you're lovable and I remember you know I'd been in several relationships that were you know abusive and you know there were some narcissistic traits and and I remember you know not understanding why I kept choosing that and then I realized it's because I didn't know I was worth anything and I couldn't I couldn't get what I wanted because I didn't love myself first. And then once I did, suddenly everything changed. The whole, you know, everything in the viewfinder was was just people that understood that I was worthy, and it, it made it made all the difference.
0: Is self love and self care somewhat the same from your perspective, or different uh, practices?
2: I think they're different. I think self love is the belief you have about yourself. And I think self-care are the actions that you take to love yourself. So I think there is a difference. And I think by doing the self-care, then you gain the self-love.
0: This has to do with relationships to vulnerability, being able to come from that space of asking for help when we need, and the idea that we love ourselves enough where we don't need anyone. So talk to me how important to be vulnerable is in relationships.
2: That's a great question. I think being vulnerable is everything. Without vulnerability, we can't be honest. We can't be transparent. We can't be trustworthy. And I think it's also that that removal of shame and guilt because we feel like we can't expose all of ourselves if we're not loving ourselves 100%, but once you love yourself 100%, then you there's no shame in what you say. Uh, at my point in my life now, I share it in my book. I share all the choices I made, all of the, you know, quote unquote mistakes or, you know, but they were all lessons. And if I can be vulnerable with that, look at how much it can help others. And being in relationships and being vulnerable with who you are, thats there. those are d- deeper connections. You can't have a deeper connection with someone without being vulnerable.
0: Speaking of healing, let me ask you a question about healing. What is healing to you and what are some of the misconceptions we have about it? I know in your book, you mentioned healing being this practice of mindfulness, which I completely agree. And also, how do you define mindfulness? What is it?
2: I think... Ultimately, mindfulness is being able to validate and accept yourself. And I think being able to live in the moment and to release the past and to not worry about the future is mindfulness, just enjoying each moment. And it it sounds, you know, it's such a it, it's such a catch all in you know, sort of in the healing field, but it really, really is when, when people experience it and what's really neat is when I have clients that go, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany or I had this aha moment, Marine, or it just clicked. I'm like, yay, that's mindfulness. And you can't explain it until someone feels it. Um, and I, I believe really, um the first what was the first part of your question? I'm sorry.
0: What healing is and some of the misconceptions about healing. Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely I think ultimately healing is the releasing of what others expect of us, what we've heard throughout our lives that has instilled limiting beliefs or false beliefs or negative self-thoughts and self-talk, that's really the healing is to be able to sort of clean everything out, cleanse everything out, and then stay firm and be in in alignment with yourself, what's your purposes, and how you feel about yourself. And I think the misconceptions about healing are, you know, I can just go – You know, grab a crystal and everything's gonna be great. (laughs) Or I can go do one Reiki session, or I can do one Mm, life uh coach session. You know, healing, the misconception is that it's it's a quick thing. All of a sudden, I'm I'm doing these things for myself, and so I should be all better. And actually, as you go through the healing process, you experience a lot more of that negative sort of things that come up that are stuck in there and that unconscious behavior. And you see more of it while you're going through the healing process than less of it. And I think People get a little bit frustrated until they really do the work or work through all of that. And they make a practice of letting go of those things that have been stopping them. I
0: love what you said just now. That makes so much
2: sense. So
0: letting go being a practice, not just a moment in time. We let go, and that's it. It's actually something we do every day, every moment, in letting go of the things that don't serve us. That has been one of my challenges uh, when it comes to relationships, boundaries. So I'll be asking you the question in, in a moment, Maureen. But before that, so let's talk about the second book you have written. It's titled, My Dog is My Relationship Coach. The first one that we talked about before, My Dog is More Enlightened Than I Am. I remember... Laughing at that, smiling, really. It's fun. It's just fun. And this is my dog is serious. You're writing more books about it. It's just beautiful. And so, I mean, so true because dogs, animals, they, they live in the moment. They're very spontaneous. It's that unconditional love we talked briefly off record. So, talk to me about the inspiration, which is your dogs but elaborate a little bit more on that and also the intention the main intention of writing these series
2: Absolutely. So the first book, um, I know the titles are great because everybody, once they hear it, they're like, yeah, yeah, you're yes. absolutely right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. sort of a, you know, hit, hit your hand on your head kind of dog, you know? <laughs> of course, the yeah. Really interesting thing about dogs that really got me with the first one and then, hmm. um, you know, evolving into the second and now I'm going to start writing the third is think about this. How much do humans speak? We talk hmm. and we talk and we talk more verbal <laughs> yeah. and think about how much love and, and information dogs convey without a single mm, word. Yeah. And yeah. that's pretty poignant when you think that's how true. they can show us love, they can show us support, they can show us spontaneity, they can show fun, they can show uh, how to be mindful and just live in the moment. They teach us all of that without a single word. And so that really is inspiring to me when I talk about the dogs, because everybody knows that when they're around their pets, that the dogs are always teaching them something. They're making them laugh when they have a bad day, when they're sick, they're snuggling with them. So everything for me is, is the dogs because they've helped me. They helped me through my healing process when I had no one and nothing around me and they would just be there to really look at me and just love me and show me that I was worthy. And so this second book evolved because so many people were asking me about relationship advice. And especially, you know, in the life coaching, and I do couples coaching as well. It was really an area that I thought, wow, everyone... Is at a certain phase in a relationship. Think about that. So, at any phase in your relationship, from age 18 to 100, you're either married, you're in a committed relationship, you're dating, you're single. And when I say you're in a relationship, if you're single, you're in a relationship with yourself. So, it at at every phase of life, you're in a relationship. So, my. My real goal in writing this book was to make sure that we maintain who we are when we're in a relationship instead of seeking someone else to fix those things that are missing inside of us and that we can be whole in a relationship. We can be whole when we go out there and date. Um, It's really just key to you can be the the most wonderful person healed person you can be. And a lot of people will get into a relationship and completely lose who they are because they they want that love so much. And there's attachment styles. So there's love addicts, there's love avoidance. So all kinds of Old stuff comes up when we get into a relationship or even if you're in a marriage, sometimes it gets stagnant and we don't put enough effort into keeping that relationship fresh and appreciative. And so that's one of the reasons I really wanted to write about relationships and because of all of the experience, good, bad and indifferent that I've had my entire life.
0: And this is just an area that we need so much help with <laughs> relationships of all kinds. When we think about it, when I think about it, just it's all around. And it's the only now I talked to you earlier about the puppy we just got. So with that puppy, Zan, his name, there's no relationship because it's already there. It seems like it's like you said, non-verbally established We don't need to even establish one in the sense of having a conversation, rules and all that. It's just, it comes, it happens naturally. With
2: right. Mm. Well, that's a really great way to look at it. It mm. happens naturally, and I think when people go out looking, when they're dating or when they're, you know, um, hoping to find their person, when they're single or you know they've healed from past relationships, uh, it should come naturally. And people will ask me all the time, "Well, how do I know?" And that's exactly what I say: it should just flow. It should be this easy, easy thing. It should never be hard. And what I realized when I didn't have the self-love and the healing was, it was so hard and it was so much work and stress and oh my goodness, the tension in those relationships. And then when I attracted my husband in our very first date, it was just this natural flow. Like I'd known him my whole life and still we're married, um, three years now together, six. And I literally feel like every day with him is just, we have <laughs> even said on our anniversary, has it only been three years? Cause it feels like 20. And oh, I- we say that in a good way, not in a whole, oh, yes. man, I feel like I've been with you forever. No, Sorry. it literally feels like I've just known him forever. And it's hard to believe we mm. just, you know, really got married three years ago. So I know uh-huh. what a bad one looks like or a difficult one looks like compared to a good one. And it really is that easy flow and that unconditional love, as you said, that, that dogs give. And when you meet the right person, you will absolutely know the difference between unconditional and conditional love. What about the idea of soulmates? Do you believe in that? I believe we have many, many soulmates. And I believe Mm -hmm. a soulmate is someone that you just feel a a vibration that matches yours so it could be friendships it could be you could meet a stranger i have met strangers online and started talking and just we we both would go wow i feel like i've known you forever when it comes to relationships there's twin flames and i think a true twin flame they say is one soul split into two and then until you're reunited and you come back um, that's really the twin flame connection is you have such a deep connection that you are almost one person you are one soul and just to lighten it first lighten it up for a second i I call it the the cheeto connection and the Cheeto connection is my husband and I we we laugh because I sh- I say we share a brain. so one day I was sitting here at home working, he was at the office. I don't know. I just got a craving for Cheetos. And so I'm working and I thought, man, I wish I had some Cheetos. Didn't say anything to him, not a word to him. And that man walked in at five o'clock at night after work with a bag of Cheetos. So, you know, um, I I know it's kind of silly, but those are the sort of synchronicities that happen with him and I continuously. And that's really what I believe is the twin flame is he knows what my needs are without me having to ask him. And I know in past relationships, my needs were not getting met, I had to beg for my needs to be met, and they still weren't being met. So there's a difference for me now that he gets it. He knows what I need. He's so in tune to who I am as a person and what my needs are. And he just unconditionally wants to make me happy.
0: So it feels like magic in a way, doesn't it, Maureen?
2: It does. No, and it, I'm 3 yeah. years into my marriage and I keep mm. every day I'm I share with him. I say I cannot believe I found you. I cannot believe you found me. I can't believe you know how lucky I am. I cannot I cannot show him enough appreciation and gratitude for being in my life because I know what the other side looked like and to be blessed to have this In, you know, at this point, and even if it took me 50 years, I feel like I tell them all the time, I would rather have five years with you than a lifetime with someone else. So time, time means nothing. Age means nothing. When you find that person, it is so worth it. So you
0: speak in chapter 18, you caught my attention with the idea of love language. So talk to me about love language, what it is, and the five types that you outline in the book. You have words of affirmations, receiving gifts, acting of service, quality time, physical affection.
2: Yes. And I'm sure a lot of us have really we're We're familiar with it, right? You yeah. Know, are you familiar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is a, a concept that, you know, was created. Um, I don't remember how many years ago, a gentleman wrote a book about it, and then sort of gave this quiz of sort of figuring out what is our love language. Well, the love language is basically are what are your needs? What makes you feel most loved? And so there's different ways we receive things. We're all different. That's the beauty of all of us is the uniqueness. We're not robots. We're not supposed to look or feel the same. And so the love languages to me is your a sign of what, what is your uniqueness? So what's interesting about the love languages, and I write about this in the book, is we tend to give what our love language is. And that's not always a good idea because that person may not have that same one, but it's in us, it's our idea of that's what feels good for me. That's what makes my needs get met. So I'm going to do that for that other person. And so we struggle sometimes because the other person says, well, you know, that's not how I how I like it. So I, for instance a lot of it will come from your upbringing. So in my upbringing, my mother was very not, um, she wasn't the most nurturing mother. She provided for us very well, but she, from her upbringing, sort of carried it forward. Not a lot of nurturing, not words of affirmation or gifts or anything like that. But my mother made sure she showed up to like our track meets or gymnastics or, you know, um, things like that. So she was an active service. So she, she would give in that way. And we used to laugh and say, she was a kiss the kid when they're sleeping. She just sort of secretly loved you. So you could go either way. You could I could have gone either way and could have said, Oh, I really need words of affirmation because I didn't get that in my upbringing. Or it could be the other way, which I went the other way, acts of service. My mother showed me she loved me with acts of service. And so I show others I love them with acts of service. Well, that's great, except if my husband prefers physical affection or quality time. So, It's really important, I think, for people to find out what works for them. What is your love language? What makes you feel loved? And then when I do couples coaching, I make sure they both figure out what is your love language. And then we have to work to meet that other person's love language. And that's what makes them feel loved. That makes me think about the idea of trying to please
0: others, too, because I've been there studying other people so I could fulfill their needs so they could give me love. But I know when I'm speaking from that level, from that stage, by Marie, we're coming from a place of already knowing what our needs are, fulfilling our needs for ourselves to self-love first, and then kind of listening, which I love to do too. That sounds very good to me, except that I tend to kind of binge, I would say, give too much or try too, too hard sometimes because of my background of trying to please other people. So how can we balance that? And how do we create this? Yeah, a balance is really a balance what I'm looking for, I would say.
2: Yeah, that that's a that's a great, you know, concept to to look at, especially when you say balance. So Being a people pleaser, um, you know, if you've done that a lot throughout your life or you apologize a lot or you go kind of above and beyond to help other people is, again, coming back to that. I their feelings mean more than mine. And we and guilt comes from that place, too. So anytime you're having any feelings of of guilt or, um, you know, you're putting someone else's feelings in front of your own. And so that's one of the first things in my life coaching practice that I teach is. We have to let go of that. We have to let go of of that. Yeah, I want blinders on. I want people to, you know, people say don't be selfish. But when I coach, I say for a minute, be selfish because it's really important to be self-loving. And if people view that as selfish, I don't think that's being selfish. I think it's being self-aware. And so the giving part, the balance that you have to find is And sometimes at first it just has to be this sort of plan you know, because it's not, it doesn't come naturally for us to do that. So the plan every day I get up and I have this journal and I have, and I tell my clients the same thing. So set a, you know, do your little, do your journal and write down five tasks that you have to do for the day, right? Those are the things that you need to accomplish that are time critical. Then I have on there self-care. So what am I going to do for myself for self-care today? And then I have a category called nurturing. So I'm balancing it out. I have to get these tasks done. These are necessary for, you know, survival, you know, in in my job. And then the self-care part is I have to make sure I'm scheduling that time in there, whether it's a meditation or just even rewarding myself for some accomplishment that I did with something small, you know, um, nurturing for me nurturing means, and I do the, like I said, those three categories every day. Nurturing to me means reaching out to someone on Facebook who's just lost a loved one and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'll I'll send a little message and say, I know you don't know me, but if you need to talk, I am always here for you or picking up the phone and calling a friend or just being there for someone, you know, buying a gift just out of the blue to send someone that's completely unexpected. So you're balancing it by really splitting up your day and saying, I'm contributing to each of these areas, but I'm still making sure that I take care of me.
0: Talk to me for a moment about another topic that came to mind, which is the blame. When somebody blames you for not showing love in a way that they understand, or shame us. Yeah, what should we do in this
2: case? So anytime someone is is being accusatory or blaming you for something, then we have a lack of communication. And I have and I wrote about this in the first book as well. And I have this idea of what's called transparent expectations. A lot of the time, what you talked about earlier about vulnerability is that we haven't shared that we haven't shared what is important to us and we we think well this person loves me But they should know what I want. They should know that I like Cheetos. They should know (laughs) that, you know, they they should meet my every need, even though I don't express it They're Mm. You know, we're not mind readers. So it's very important if you're going through something, you're feeling a little anxious. My husband, as soon as he walks in the door, knows exactly where my mindset is. And he'll say, what's going on with you? And if I don't share it, then I can't then he can't help me. He can't be there for me. He can't be the the rock for me and he can't help me work through what I'm going through. So I think really... When someone is blaming or someone is saying, you're not meeting my needs, first of all, it's a projection because they're saying, I'm not getting my needs met. And is that my fault or am I also not meeting your needs? So there's a little defensiveness going on there. And the best way to approach it is with that communication and honesty. And, you know, we don't always agree. It's okay to have disagreements. But my husband and I will sit down and when we have disagreements and we will and we'll say if this is constructive, we have the conversation. If it's not, we need to move away from it for a while and and think about it. So it's working it through. And my husband says something that I love, love every time. He says, I'm trying to understand you better. And then that sounds so much better than. I don't agree with what you're saying and you're not making any sense or you're making me mad. You know, it's, it's using those I statements that says I need to understand you better. I, I don't feel heard. I feel as if you're too busy for me. So really using those I statements removes that defensiveness that we tend to have in those relationships when our needs are not being met. Uh,
0: so helpful. And you do have a section in your book, chapter 15. I really like that, that you talk about understanding. It's basically understanding conflicts, conflict communication and conflict resolution. Before that, I believe chapter 14, that's all about communication. Basically, the entire book. Taps on communication, clear communication, and loving communication, healthy communication. That's foundational, too. Um, That's funny how we don't learn that. We don't learn that in school. We don't learn that anywhere.
2: (laughs) I, I know. That's a shame. And I'm happy that you said that. I try that very often with my granddaughters. They are seven and nine. And so when they're over at my house and we got to start this as children cuz they're watching us. They're watching how we communicate. They're going to look at that and grow up and be these adults and it's our job when they're younger to be able to do this. And so it's it's we have to show them. They're little sponges and they this is how they're learning all of their programming that we as adults end up having to heal from, right? So what I do is with my chil- my grandchildren when they're here, when they're arguing, instead of yelling and saying, hey, quick fighting or whatever, I started doing a kindness chart. So they get points when they're kind to one another, and and it has to be me catching them do it, not them doing it on purpose in front of Grandma. You know right. where they yeah. gain their <laughs> point, gaining their points or whatever. But when I see them just being kind out of you know to their sister, helping their sister with something, or being nice to the animals, or you know um, just anything that that instills that positive reinforcement of kindness is going to get you um the the better results than the conflict. And so teaching them how to calmly speak to one another, calmly communicate, work through a problem, being um being um solution minded, not problem focused. And so all of those things starting as children and then as we grow up as adults from watching what happened in our households We have to go back to kind of being children and start sort of fresh, but it's building or it's breaking down those walls of defense that we've built up throughout our lives.
0: I absolutely love that because I believe in curiosity. That eliminates so much complication, just being curious and asking questions, not judging, not making assumptions
2: Definitely. And I think that's, isn't that what self-awareness is, is that ability to check ourselves before we check anybody else. If I, if I'm having problems with someone else, what is it in me that's, that's going on and really doing those, those self-checks. And then when you go outside of yourself and you've got the, you know, the three, is it necessary? Is it kind? um, And is it, What's my third one? I just lost my train of thought. But it, it really is just question how it's coming off to someone. And, you know, the the funny thing about it is, is the the better you communicate to someone with love, the more receptive they are. And it's funny, we've sort of are geared to the louder I am and the more aggressive I am. People think that that's how we resolve conflict. And it's completely the opposite. So I just had a client who's um, having, you know, some issues with his children and they're at an age where, well, they're all home for the summer and they're kind of arguing and they start raising their voices. And I said to him, when that happens, I want you to start whispering. I want you to start whispering. And, and they have no choice but to lower themselves down to hear you. And then I said, you can make a game out of it. And you could say, OK, we're going to play the whisper game. And so it's a way of sort of coping and, and bringing down so much of that negative energy to just sort of an even keel and teaching children that it's OK to speak lower and kinder and softer and still get your message across.
0: Now, what comes to mind is emotions is that okay to express our emotions, to kind of release them when we speak rather than trying to hold back and be, you know, show something else?
2: Absolutely. In fact, it's absolutely necessary. And a lot of our resentment and anger and um, even physical ailments come from not expressing our emotions. It's that suppression that it has to go somewhere. It's energy, right? So it has to come out in some way. So, I am a a big advocate for getting it out. However, the way we need to do it is the healthiest way. So I I advise a lot of my clients and I say, well, what is the healthiest way for you to get that out? And I'll have people dance or find something creative to do. Put it in a creative mode, whether it's painting or drawing or or music a lot. I think physical exercise is really, really important. Important, because you release these chemicals. You know there's there's these chemicals for happiness that we need. We need endorphins, and you know you don't need all that stuff, the serotonin, that's what balances us. We've got to have that chemical balance. and by doing physical activity and by releasing anything that's stuck and doesn't feel well, that's what happens that's what happens is, um, it gives us the, the most freeing feeling and we can, we can literally process emotions a lot quicker when we can get them out. The more we suppress them, the more they pile on one another. And then it just, um, you know, compounds our problems.
0: And that goes back to unconditional love too. It's okay to, uh, even if it comes up, the emotions in the wrong way it's fine too because that's what unconditional love is isn't it maureen accepting embracing everything without judgment. yeah
2: it. that that's exactly we're gonna we're going to express ourselves sometimes not in the most kind way or not in the most healthy way but the idea is to recognize it. And once we start recognizing that we do it, then we instill these new habits and say, Oh, I, I'm recognizing that I'm feeling this way before it happens. And now I know how to not do that. And now I know a different path to go down. So that doesn't continue throughout my life. So recognition is really key to changing any, any behavior, any emotions, any uh, habits that we've had throughout our life. So if you, see it first or you recognize what happens prior to the habit or the Uh action, then you can change it.
0: I do believe that, that we are so connected that um, whatever we do, say, think, affects others at a deeper level, doesn't it?
2: I love that you just said that. That's something that is so key because we have people in our lives and we just, well, they make me do this. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? right. Or right. I don't right. want to say <laughs> anything because I'm afraid of how they yeah. are going to react. And I yeah. love that you just said yeah. that because... I have everyone that I coach stay in a circle of control and your circle of control is your feelings, your thoughts, your speech, your actions. And so I always say, well, was that in your circle of control? No, I wanted that person to change or, you know, I wish wish they would have owned what they did to me. I'm like, you don't have any control over that. And I hope that you just said that because what I always say is you change you and everyone around you will adjust. So I we are definitely on the same mindset when it comes to that.
0: I love the powerful message. Another one that you have in your book says never accept abuse, period, whether it is physical, emotional or psychological. So that's a very powerful message for a reminder for all of us and to be aware of what that is. So that would be great if you could elaborate on what abuse looks like. Emotional abuse especially, (laughs) that's unclear a lot of times.
2: Absolutely. And I sh- I share my own story of experience with this because I didn't have self-love and I didn't recognize what abuse really was. And I was still in that mindset of trying to earn love and not knowing my worst. So this one's really near and dear to me. And it's really difficult for people who haven't been in that situation to understand. And people will say, why don't they just leave? Or why do they put up with that? It's hard to understand unless you've been there. So compassion is always key. It's hard because when you're in an abusive situation, you don't think you're in an abusive situation. You don't think that you think in your mind, well, I would know if I was being abused, but you really don't because it is really subtle. And it is a. it takes a, an amount of time for an abuser to sort of convince you of, you know, giving up your self-esteem and convincing you that you owe them and you should be this certain way. So in, in the book, I do say, if you're not sure, ask someone on the outside. And I think that's really, really key because I think if I was at the beginning of my abuse, if people had said, whoa, 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 look what he's doing. I might have stopped and considered it. I don't know at that time if I would have gotten out of it, but I needed to learn it for to help others. But I really think if you question or you feel something again, back to the emotions if it feels weird, if it feels off, if it feels uncomfortable, then it is. So reach out to someone and say, is this is this OK for someone to do this? Does this seem odd? Is this something that I shouldn't accept? I mean, if you're not sure, someone around you who loves you hopefully will kind of key into that. And the emotional abuse comes from it. They have to break you down to build you up. So if you are with anyone who is saying anything that makes you feel bad about yourself, even the most subtle things like, you know, you should cut your hair. It doesn't look good that way. Right. You you're about five pounds too heavy, anything or you're always you know, you're always so shy around people. You need to be more like the life of the party. I mean, those are so subtle you wouldn't think that that was abuse, but that's how it starts. And and then it builds up, and by the time it's built up, you're, you're knee-deep in it. You, you don't even realize how you got there, and then all of a sudden they're telling you how worthless you are and you can't go see your family and, you know, you, you have to meet their every whim and it's your job to take care of them, and it's just really – it's a climb. It's a climb up a mountain and there's small steps and it can be misleading and we might not always see it. So abuse is never okay. Not even the smallest, tiniest little things that people might often say, well, he's just like that when he's tired. You know, he just gets grouchy. We got to be really on guard with that. And that's something... I learned my daughter was also in an abusive um, marriage. So, you know, it's... Can we really control that? Not control, but
0: uh, judge everything as, you because know, as I just said here to you, I don't want to become paranoid in the sense of looking for those subtleties. The body will tell too, right, Maureen? It, it's a response that the body gives when somebody says something that doesn't resonate right
2: right right and i can appreciate where you're going with that where you don't want to hone in on it yeah, and, yeah. and say oh he just you know he threw the hammer down because he was frustrated yeah. he's abusive no, yes, I, right I, I, no I, yeah. I completely understand that and you're right it is something that you'll know you will know because it's a pattern so it's not a oh, one right two pattern. time thing this is a right. pattern and right. when you feel that when you feel less than in their presence or you've feel scared. You know, if there's any feelings of fear or just demeaning or feeling there was something wrong with you, no one, no one that loves you unconditionally will ever make you feel there's anything wrong with you. And I know when I'm with my husband and sometimes I'm hard on myself, he will not let me even go there. He will say, you don't even understand how awesome you are Marine or how amazing you are. Look at what you did today. So you're going to know it w- It should be really obvious if you love yourself first and the more you do your self love and know your worth and stay in alignment, the less apt you will be to tr- attracting someone like that. And when you get to a certain point of self love, that will be so apparent that you won't even go there anymore like there there would be no there would be no chance of me ever going back into an abusive relationship because i i built that self-love so much that it would be so recognizable to me now
0: so clear so that is uh what we have to do more and more just keep practicing that the self-love going deeper and deeper so it becomes clear when someone is not loving in a way.
2: Yeah. And I know we, we say self-love and I want to just make this point real quick. It's self-acceptance. I think we have to Mm. accept ourselves before we can love ourselves. Right? So true.
0: Yes. That's my mantra in a way. It has been, yeah, that, that changed everything, accepting myself. Yes. And then when you think about accepting ourselves, that's the foundation for self-love, And then you think about the people around you, you want them to do the same. And then for me is that I ended up accepting others the way they are too, instead of judging them, trying to make them, you know, uh, be a different person. I just kind of embrace them. And that's okay to be who you are, but we gotta be careful with the abuse factor because that could still come in. Although if I don't take it personally, then it's not abuse, it's not considered abuse. So we're almost at the end. Um, I have a few more questions for you, Maureen. I guess I think I have one more question for you. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? There are so many topics that we couldn't talk about, but
2: <laughs> so many. I, yeah, no, I, I there are so many. I, I don't want to read one because I think you've done such a great job of covering the different areas in the book. So I just think... When and what I love is just that there's such a broad spectrum. So no matter where you are in your journey, it's from being single to dating to being in a committed relationship to being in a long term marriage. So it, it's whether you've been in a relationship forever or you're just now starting to go out there. Uh It's really to me, the book was all about letting you know that no matter what's stage you're in you can be you and you don't lose who you are mm. in that process
0: I love 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 a thousand times that message I mean all of the message, but that one being yourself not losing yourself uh, that's just precious to me thank you so much Maureen for your work your presence your wisdom and everything that can be felt I feel the generosity the love it's just beautiful thank you
2: Thank you. It's always an honor to speak with you. And you are such a beautiful spirit. So just being able to share with you and be in your presence is it's an honor. And I thank you. And my last question is, what are three things about life you wish
0: everyone to know and to have before they lose the body?
2: Oh, wow. Those are deep and I got to come up with this. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> right, quickly. I no. love
2: it. She throws these deep questions. Says, I want to know now. We have about two minutes left. That's okay.
0: true. It's true. Uh, number true.
2: Number one, number one, number one is what we've talked about all along is just accept that in life, everything that happens is an experience for you to learn or to teach. And everything that happens, it is not because you did something wrong. It is not punishment. It is not your fault. It's literally, I've asked for the experience because I need to learn something from it. And I've learned from it. So now I have to teach it. So that's number one. Number two is back to acceptance of ourselves. And others always, always have compassion because you never know what someone is going through. You don't know what their life looks like. You don't know what their experiences look like. You don't look know what anything in their path has looked like. So. We can't judge what we don't know and what we haven't walked. So don't judge yourself too harshly because your path was meant for you and you've learned and you keep learning. And don't judge others for theirs. And last but not least, number three is <laughs> live like a dog.
0: <laughs> yes, right.
2: Spontaneously like, do something. Fun every day. If you're tired, lay <laughs> down. If you want to cuddle with your person, cuddle with your person, and you know, be there, be happy, lift each other up, and always trust. You know your people, and be just open to to unconditional love and those are my three.
0: Uh, I love that. And I love your sense of humor too. <laughs> we need more of that too. The lightness, the playfulness. And I, I love when you say live like a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> live more like a dog. I agree. It should
2: be fun. Life <laughs> is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be all struggle and sadness and, you know, work, work, work. It's supposed to be fun and joyful and it, it if we're not if we're not getting the joy, then what are we working for? so you you got to have a little sadness to have happiness and all that you know it's it's supposed to counter veil one another
0: so before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: Sure. well, I am in the process <laughs> of working on a ted talk a TEDx oh. talk, so Uh, Look for that coming this (laughs) fall. And then also my website, if anyone is looking for coaching, I do, you know, video coaching. So near and far, it doesn't matter where you live, we can coach. And that's www.lifecoachmaureen.com. And you can go on and schedule right on there. It has also blogs and it has a link where you can buy my books. We're available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Outskirts Press.
0: Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Maureen, and we'll talk soon. Thank
2: you. Bye for now.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Maureen Scanlon and her work, please visit lifecoachmaureen.com.